0: Well, let's give this scenario if you have a really busy day and you forget to eat all day you've been go 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 sipping your coffee your tea and then you crash so all day you've been working on adrenaline likely and then you crash and your body's like hey my brain needs glucose that's what i need to survive so you'll crave carbs you'll crave sweets and then your blood sugar will spike and then crash again and you'll be hangry mm-hmm. i think we all know yeah. what that means so <laughs> jittery, ready to burst And then we'll crave sugar again so this isn't great for our our bloodstream and our vessels so it can lead to pre-diabetes but also our moods and it can create a lot of anxiety and problems with sleep too and this spiking and crashing can just um, really impair the microbiome as well and cause a lot of inflammation
1: Welcome to Mom Strength, a podcast and movement to empower, educate, and showcase mom strength inside and out. I'm your host, Surabi Veach physiotherapist, and fitness coach, also known as the passionate physio. Join me for discussions on movement, mindset, and motherhood, where we raise the bar and challenge the status quo. Get ready for expert interviews and real, honest conversations, where we explore physical, mental, and emotional health. Let's celebrate the beautiful diversity and common experiences in all of our journeys. Let's do this. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Mom Strength. This is Surabi Veach, and I am pumped to have on Dr. Whitney Baxter, who we've had on already to talk about um, PCOS just a little while ago. And so as a reminder, Whitney is a naturopathic doctor, and we did our kinesiology degrees together way back in 20, I don't even Two thousand and six? So you graduated in two thousand. 10, I yeah. graduated in 2009. So yeah, I think you are you were a couple years behind me and I did co-op mm-hmm. and our paths crossed and we were friends then and it's been awesome to reconnect since um, both through social media and through supporting Whitney in uh, her postpartum journey, um, getting active again. So Whitney is a naturopath who lives in Victoria, British Columbia, which is very beautiful if you haven't been there. And she lives there with her husband and seven-month-old daughter. And her journey to naturopathic medicine began after working as an exercise therapist in cardiac rehab, and she witnessed the value of a holistic approach to health care and understood that each person's physical, mental, and emotional health are interconnected. She loves people to kick PMS symptoms, regulate their periods, and support healthy digestion. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're talking about gut health. And I'm so excited to have you back on here, Whitney. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me back, Zubavi. Can't wait to talk about the gut. Awesome. So let's, let's get right into it because gut health is something that affects like 100% of people because we all have a gut. And mm-hmm. so can you talk a little bit about um, that and how is our digestion linked with our whole full body health?
0: Um, So intuitively, our gut is linked with our emotions. We've always said things like I have butterflies in my tummy when we're nervous or I have a gut feeling, Um, but it's also very much linked to our health. So if you think about it, our digestive tract is one of the first exposures to the outside world. So whatever we eat, our body has to, first of all, protect us if it's dangerous and break that down into the energy that we need for survival. So Um, naturopathic doctors always look to the digestive tract for the root cause of conditions always for many things from mental health to acne um, hormones a whole bunch of stuff and a major link here is the microbiome so microbiome I'm sure a lot of people have heard of this um, but basically what it is is the vast ecosystem of microbes that exist mainly in the large intestine and this gut microbiome contains As many microbial cells as human cells. That doesn't wow. So it's a very functioning ecosystem that works very closely with our body, and it includes bacteria, viruses, parasites, and fungi in a happy balance. Usually, well, it should be happy balance. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: I'm just picturing, like, I feel like we need a Pixar movie with, like, it within the gut. And just, like, I'm picturing, like, this, like, rainforest with, like,
0: fungi yeah.
1: and, like, everything around. And I just think that that would be a really cool way to teach people. So if anybody's yeah. listening to this, that's, like, a mil- billion-dollar idea right there. That's the um, mm-hmm. It's It's it, – when you were talking about that, I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm, like, picturing this, like, ecosystem, like you said, of, like, amazing mm-hmm. things inside our, our gut, which is – mostly our large intestine, like you said. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk about, I love that you started with the example of like, I feel butterflies in my stomach because it's so true. We all know that sensation when we're nervous Mm -hmm. or like you have a gut feeling. And that's so true is, of course, it's also related to our mental health and our emotions, right? Yes. And a lot of people, I don't think know that. So for people who are dealing with mental health concerns, they don't know that there's a huge role that the gut actually plays in that. Can you talk about what are some examples of how the microbiome is beneficial to our health? Like, why is it so diverse? Why are there so many things in there? And how does it support us?
0: So- There's a big part of our body and our human physiology, and we're learning a lot about it as the years go on. Um, A big part of it is immune surveillance. So like I said, every time we eat something, our body has to decide if that's safe or not. 70% of our immune system actually exists along the digestive tract. It's a big portion of our immune function. So when we look at autoimmune diseases or if there's like gut infections or if we've taken antibiotics, it's really impacting the rest of our health systemically. Um, So that's a big piece. Another is obvious because of the location, digestion. So -hmm. it's helping us break down our foods and absorb our nutrients that we need to survive. Um, Another thing is mood. And I can talk a little bit about that. It's directly linked with mood because the microbiome um, interacts with our brain through the vagus nerve. So it's a big nerve that connects our brain to our digestive function and our our, um, organs. Um, and the microbiome can also release neurotransmitters so it can communicate with our brain. So if we're stressed or anxious and you literally get the nervous poops, there is a direct link there. So we can treat the gut and that should help anxiety, depression and depression. And there's a lot of research in there. It's really, really fascinating. That is Um, so, that's so interesting
1: too, because a lot of my clients have gut issues because they report, self-report, oh, I'm constipated. I, you know, I have bloat. I've constant bloat and all these other issues that they think is just a matter of like only impacting their gut. But you're saying it also can impact their mood, their mental health. Um, And so, and a lot of people also have anxiety. So I'm very interested in this relationship too. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me, Or can you give me an example of, you know, how do we know, first of all, when you have a good, healthy gut and what are some examples
0: of when it's out of balance? So when it's out of balance, we call that dysbiosis. Um, So there should, normally there should be a balance of good, beneficial bacteria that helps our physiology, kind of neutral guys, and then some more pathogenic or things that cause disease, and the good one should outweigh those pathogenic bacteria. So when there's flip side going on, we call that dysbiosis, or if there's low diversity, so not enough microbial microbes um, that can cause issues too. So some symptoms are pretty straightforward, so IBS, so alternating constipation, diarrhea, or if someone has had one or the other, so a lot of constipation, a lot of loose stools, Abdominal pain, gas, bloating is a big one, reflux too, like um, heartburn. And then other less obvious things are things that affect the body as a whole. So sleep, insomnia is a big one, anxiety, depression, like I mentioned before, joint pain because inflammation can really stem from the gut, and then things on the skin, rashes, acne, um, things like that. Eczema too, right? Eczema, Yeah. Our hormones too can be really impacted. We'll talk about that, I think, a little in a bit. But yeah, so it's pretty comprehensive. Um, And then another thing that can cue me if something's going on with the gut, if someone's eating a lot of what is healthy, like healthy foods, fiber-rich foods like garlic, onions, and they're noticing more gas and bloating, that could be pointing to, okay, maybe there's some dysbiosis going on and there's a lot of bacteria maybe where they shouldn't be eating up the foods that your body should be absorbing and producing gas in the process. Interesting.
1: So So that's probably why some people like uh, eat healthy, quote unquote, you know, eat their veggies and lentils and legumes and all that stuff, but they actually make, it makes them feel worse. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. I'm thinking of one specific person in our family. Yeah, we could
0: go on and on about yeah, it's in, and then people avoid it, right? Because they don't and know then what they avoid it because they they're
1: like, oh, I can't eat that. It gives me gas. And you're like, but is it giving you gas because your body is never used to eating that? Or is it or, giving yeah. you like- Yeah.
0: Things that are going
1: on. And so what are some um, ways that that, like an out of balance, or dysbiosis is what you said, right? Yeah. So that's when things are out of balance. Ooh. What are some ways that that can affect us? on a whole. So you mentioned mood. Yeah. Um, can you Give me a little bit more insight behind
0: that. Yeah. Let's talk about the mood. Cause this one is, this is what fascinates me. I've seen it so much in practice. I've seen it in myself. Um, so yeah, let's dive into this. So the gut and brain communicate to each other through that vagus nerve, like I said, also through our hormones and through that immune system that exists there as well. Um, and when we're stressed so, Picture yourself when you're super stressed. You're, you're, you're in fight or flight, sympathetic mode, um, hearts racing, anxiety, whatever it is. Maybe it's a work project. Maybe you got scared. Um, whatever it is, the brain is quite primitive, so it's not noticing that it's just a, a, something really minor. It's going directly into, no, that's a bear and you need to survive and you need to run. So it's deciding that other functions like immune function, sex hormone production, um, all of these other functions aren't as important. And the only thing that is important is getting away. So what's mm. happening is it's altering the normal motility of the digestive tract because that's also not an important thing to do while you're running from a bear. You don't want to be digesting your foods.
1: Yeah, it's that's like gonna forget that.
0: That's going to have to wait. And on and on ongoing stress – can really impact the microbial diversity of our gut. That um, can also impair normal digestion. So the production of our digestive enzymes, our gallbladder and liver, it produces bile salts that we need to absorb fats, um, proper breakdown of food in the small intestine, poor absorption of your nutrients, and hello, your microbiome is going wild. So lots of symptoms can be just from this like on- ongoing fight or flight sympathetic mode feeling. Yeah. And there's been a ton of studies linking dysbiosis with anxiety and depression, depression.
1: And is it like, is, I wanted to ask, like, is it the chicken or the egg? Like which starts first, right? Like, is it the, the gut and, or is it the anxiety or the depression or the mood disorders, you know, and, or do they come up together? Like it's, it, that always interests me too is, you know, where is the, the starting point?
0: yeah, I think that's a really good question. And that's why I always ask, when did this start for you? What was going on in your life? Were you on antibiotics? Did you travel? Did you have a gut bug? Um, Or did something happen? Did you finish school? Did you lose a job? What was going on? Was it the chicken or an egg? What started this? Because it's a two-way street. could be either Mm -hmm. or, and then it kind of turns into a vicious cycle. And a lot of people, like, this is kind of an embarrassing symptom. Like no one's going around talking about, yeah, I have a lot of gas and bloating. I'm afraid to eat. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's causing it. So it can go on for years and people just kind of learn to live with it or learn how to manage it. Um,
1: And part of it is too, like, I'm just thinking about the people in my life or the people that I work with is, you know, they know that something doesn't help them feel good but they keep eating it anyway because that's what the family eats. And that's what's socially, you know, oh, we eat cheese. And cheese mm-hmm. makes me feel terrible. But I'm just going to keep eating it because I love it. And that's what we all eat every day after school or, like, after work. Is It's it's just – it's social, right? It's like so food is social. And sometimes we don't want to do something that's different than the norm because that's just what's part of it. Yeah. But then it can affect our gut in such a negative way. And mm-hmm. ongoing – ongoing stress. And when you say stress, you gave some examples of, you know, fear and anxiety.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And that's something that I think that we can all resonate with. Mm -hmm. We're all living in a level of uncertainty that is unknown. And we've Mm -hmm. been living in it for two years. Can you talk a little bit about that in this, like, extended period of stress and like the impact that it can have on us without us even realizing?
0: And yeah, because I think it's gone in waves. At first, it was a shock. um, Quickly change the way you're working. Oh, no, the schools are canceled. You know, it was this shock to the system. And then it lingered. And then there was a lot of unknowns. And then it all opened up again. So I'm seeing people who kind of have gone through these different phases of shock, anxiety, fear, and then burnout, and then blah, like they have nothing left. So all of these different cycles of emotion. And yeah, I'm just, I'm reflecting on my past two years too. I've gone through all of these emotions too. And yeah, it can definitely impact our gut health, the way we're eating too, the way we're, we're nourishing ourselves or not being able to sit in a rested calm state to eat. We're kind of eating on the go, or maybe we're not eating the same foods and yeah, it can definitely cause a lot of issues down the road but one thing to know is that microbiome it's 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 an ecosystem right it's dynamic it can change so these things can impact it but it has the ability to change for the better within 24 hours wow. one day to three days you can impact this microbiome so if we start making changes then it can change so it can improve So that's something that I like to tell people too, that yes, we've all gone through this insane time, but it's not too late. You're not stuck there because you can, you can change it. Well, and that's what
1: I think a lot of people feel hopeless, right? When it comes to their health is they see all these big things that they have to change and they're like, where do I begin? And it sounds like your gut is a very, you know, great beginning because it impacts so many things in in your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what's a simple way that somebody can make, make a change in like, very quickly, is it is it by eating more vegetables, for example? Like, what are what are some things that can help with that?
0: Um, it kind of depends what's going on. So, like I said, if someone's eating a lot of things that are making their digestion worse, then it's probably beneficial to do some testing first. Um, so, I think a good place to start always is tracking your symptoms. I think it's the best thing that we can do for ourselves and bringing information to our doctors, tracking your digestion. Um, What did you eat that day? What did you eat three days ago? Maybe is it showing up now? Um, Yeah, diet, going out for dinner, eating something different, maybe a stressor happened and now we're seeing some symptoms down the line. So I think it gives us a lot of information. Um, And then we can kind of – that helps guide me as a naturopath to decide what testing needs to be done so I understand, like, when this started for you, what your full symptom picture is, and then how we can find some more answers.
1: And what is something that you – when you say, like, you know, record your digestion, like, what is the goal with, uh, let's say, pooping or – Voiding your, you know, whatever you have in your gut, like is—is is it the goal to have a good poop every day, multiple times a day? What's the what's the ultimate um, gold standard? I think I think this is should a we good call one. it the brown standard? I feel like we brown. have to call it the brown standard. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell we're
0: moms, right? Like that does
1: yeah, not exactly that.
0: <laughs> funny because as a naturopath and a mom, like this does not phase me. Yeah, um, but it's funny. <laughs> well, don't talk about this. And they kind of giggle when I bring it up. But like your digestion tells me so much about your health. So this is
1: always- Oh, a big- I, we get my daughter looking in her after she poops and we're like, oh, is that a good poop? Because it, I want her to know that that's normal conversation. Yeah. And that it's a way for her to look into her own health uh, and see how she's doing from a young age, right? Because I wish we learned this when we were
0: kids. I know, so did I. Um, so yeah, what's a happy poop? So frequency of bowel movements, so really at least one a day is what you should be having, up to three. So they say after every large meal. Um, it should be easy to pass, so no straining, um, discomfort, or pain, um, it should be formed like a banana. <laughs> and I'll actually show people it's called the Bristol stool chart. If you have seen an atropathic doctor, you have likely stared at this thing. And it, just, <laughs> it shows – it's a cartoon – pictures of stools if they're little round balls. So that's likely more constipated, maybe some dehydration, all the way up to a looser stool. So I'm getting patients to show me where they're at. Um, Because it can give me a lot of information. And then some gas is normal, of course. But if it's excessive, more than usual, you're having a lot of bloating or it's uncomfortable, that's not normal.
1: And is – this is a question that I have. This is totally random. Is Mm -hmm. gas that's smelly an indication of something messed up down there versus gas that doesn't smell?
0: Yeah, it could be. If it's more sulfurous – It could point to just um, certain species that are in your gut, and we can test that. And something I'll introduce here called SIBO, um, a lot of people have talked about this lately on social media, but it's small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So basically, your microbiome should exist mainly in your large intestine. That small intestine is where your, your food is getting broken down by our digestive enzymes and getting absorbed. So there should be very little to no um, microbes here. But if there are, and there's a few things that can cause this, it's a whole other topic of conversation. (laughs) But if there are, they are digesting the foods and basically fermenting it and creating gas in the process. And some species there can cause really odorous gas, a lot of bloating, discomfort. Um, So there's one thing that could be going on, and it's a very testable and treatable um, condition. But yeah that's
1: an example. That's so interesting i've never h i have never I never really heard of that I've heard the term but I didn't know what it was so that's mm-hmm. great to know I'm also laughing because this is a- <laughs> this is a conversation i'm gonna tell my uh tell my partner later i'm gonna say see i told you so (laughs) 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 because smell like (laughs) yeah (laughs) everyone has gas we know that but if it's excessively smelly after eating certain foods or is it is it tied to certain foods
0: foods. totally yeah absolutely be certain foods and even if you eat the same things as somebody it depends on their microbiome just like different different guys down there producing it yeah Different
1: teams in there depending on what, what
0: releases what. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I love the Bristol chart too. We use it in pelvic health as well right. for people who are constipated or who have pelvic floor concerns from constipation. It's like, okay, how often are you pooping? Because people who are chronically constipated can tend to also hold a lot of Um, pain or tension in their pelvic floor from like the straining. We want the pelvic floor to open, the gates to open when we're pooping. We don't want them to kind of like squeeze to strain. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: I love that addressing – because addressing it from the pelvic floor perspective is like a Band-Aid solution. We need to address the constipation from the inside out, right? So, Mm -hmm. So we get rid of that problem from the first place. And like you said, hydration is one. What are some other things that can help with constipation, um, or for people who are having those hard form poop or tiny little pellets? Mm-hmm.
0: It depends. It, there could be other things causing it too. Um, I think of thyroid when I think of constipation because our thyroid is our metabolic engine. And if it's low, if we have hypothyroid, then everything is slowed down. So you're tired, you have dry skin, you have, you're have cold, colder than other people. Um, and constipation is one of those symptoms. So I'm always doing some more investigating as to why, what else could be causing the constipation? Is it diet? Maybe some supplements, maybe some medications that they're on causing this as a side effect. Um, there's a whole, that yeah, diet is a huge thing. Maybe not enough fiber or hydration or colon. We need a lot of fluids down there to help kind of, um, bulk up our poo, I'll say, and <laughs> help it pass. So fiber is really important also to feed the healthy bacteria down there. They need fiber. Um, So there's, yeah, there's a whole lot of things that can be going on and it could be this dysbiosis. So in SIBO, the condition that I introduced, one of the gases that um, could be produced could be causing some constipation. That's
1: also really good to know with the thyroid because that's something that a lot of people. We talked about this a little bit with your with our last um, conversation on PCOS and how thyroid can also mimic some of those same symptoms as PCOS. Yes. And now it, it also comes into play here with the, with gut health. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the impact on you know how do our hormones in our body interact with the microbiome? Um, because hormones are excreted in our body and they're free floating. I, and so, like
0: mm-hmm.
1: a lot of women that I see, or people who've had babies, anyways, they experience these rapid changes in their hormones. And suddenly, postpartum, they seem to be more sensitive to their gut, to everything yeah. in their gut. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: is that hormonally driven? Yeah, for sure. So, like you said, our hormones are our little body's chemical messengers. Um, they work, it's pretty complex of how they work and some examples of hormones. So we think about the sex and reproductive hormones, so estrogen and progesterone and testosterone. Also our thyroid hormone is a hormone, insulin, so our blood sugar regulation and cortisol. So all of these things have a close interaction with the gut and the microbiome, um, and influences of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, insulin, all of these things interact with the microbiome. Um, So getting excess hormones out of the body is really, we need really um, a proper microbial diversity to get things out. If there's any inflammation, food sensitivities, or autoimmune dysfunction, then that can impact um, our hormones safely getting excreted out of the body. And blood sugar regulation. So if our blood sugar regulation is not optimal, that can cause a lot of inflammation and a lot of, it can really impact the gut as well.
1: So going back to, you know, regulating your blood sugars, eating regularly, making sure, Mm -hmm. I love the examples that you gave in the last episode on ways to make sure that we're pairing foods. Can you talk a little bit
0: about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we talked about this in PCOS with blood sugar. So when we're having – so let's give this scenario of you have a really busy day and you forget to eat all day. You've been go, 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 sipping your coffee, your tea, and then you crash. So all day you've been working on adrenaline likely, and then you crash, and your body's like, hey, my brain needs glucose. That's what I need to survive. So you'll crave carbs. You'll crave sweets. And then your blood sugar will spike and then crash again, and you'll be – hangry, I think we all know what that means. So mm-hmm, generally, yeah. <laughs> ready to burst, and then we'll crave sugar again. So this isn't great for our, our bloodstream and our vessels. So it can lead to prediabetes, it can lead to um, just health conditions in our, and through our cardiovascular system, of course, but also our moods. And it can create a lot of anxiety and problems with sleep too. And this spiking and crashing is can just um, really impair the microbiome as well and cause a lot of inflammation. Mm-hmm. In the gut.
1: And then that inflammation then makes it makes everything more sensitive, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what are some ways or some examples of hormonal conditions that are impacted by gut health?
0: So, whenever someone has like painful periods, bad PMS, bloating before periods, even like changes in digestion, like loose stools before their periods. And going to focus on healing their gut, either prior to working on their hormones or alongside, kind of depending on the blood work or where we're at. So let's start um, with one example, estrogen. So one of the main regulators of estrogen in our bloodstream and therefore its activity is the microbiome, which is pretty cool. Whoa. There's this little nickname in the naturopathic community called our estrobilome. So our <laughs> estrogen microbiome. So funny.
1: but our interesting- <laughs> I was going to say only a naturopath would, giggle, would laugh at that. That's,
0: that's <laughs> funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Intestinal bacteria play a role in estrogen metabolism, so safe excretion out of the body. So there's evidence of antibiotic use lowering estrogen levels. Wow. So they started to look into this and saw that um, some species of microbe produce an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase, which can reactivate estrogen once it's at the large intestine. So basically, your body takes the hormones. It goes through the liver. It has... Um, intermediate byproducts, they're called, and then they get packaged up safely and sent to the large intestine to be excreted into our poop. So it, so they're eliminated. A little bit of this can be reabsorbed at the level of the large intestine back into the body um, and start having an effect in the body. But it shouldn't be- You don't be want hard. that, I guess. You don't want too much, yeah. So, because remember hormones and everything has to be in healthy balance and they feed back on each other to tell the brain, oh, we have too much, slow down production, or, oh, we don't have enough, increase production. So if something is getting messed up along this cascade, then we start to see symptoms. But there are some species of microbes that produce beta-glucuronidase that can reactivate this estrogen at the level of the intestine. So now all of a sudden it's getting reabsorbed and back into the body. So a healthy, diverse microbiome produces just the right amount of this enzyme. But dysbiosis or poor microbial diversity, so of the good guys, can cause high estrogen. So Mm. some symptoms of high estrogen, so you can have really high estrogen or you can have high estrogen that's relative to low progesterone. So we're always testing those hormones in conjunction with each other and looking at your symptoms. But basically, some symptoms of high estrogen can be PMS, so cramping, irritability, mood swings, um, breast tenderness, bloatings, cravings, and anxiety, because progesterone is like our feel-good, calm hormone. Mm -hmm. So if we have really high estrogen in relation to progesterone, we see things like anxiety, um, decreased libido and maybe painful periods as well, depending on how your body is metabolizing these estrogens. Of course, there could be other causes of pain, but that's one thing that we're thinking about. And then some conditions that can help, ha- um, we can see high estrogen is fibrocystic breasts, ovarian cysts, endometriosis, and more.
1: Hmm. And so all of those conditions can be impacted by gut health. So that Yeah, sounds like if you improve your gut health, you may also be able to help those painful periods or Mm -hmm. tender breasts during your periods. You know, all of those other symptoms as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's one part of the whole picture. Is we need safe elimination, healthy gut health to to definitely get rid of these hormones, but also really have um, low inflammation because that can lead to pain. yeah, so it's really part of the whole treatment picture. So when we're working on hormones, with maybe some some herbs or some acupuncture, maybe we're using hormone replacement therapy. I'm also treating people's gut health as well.
1: And are people who have um, IBS, let's say, and they have frequent poops? Yeah, you know, they're frequently eliminating. Do they have these types of issues as well? If they're frequently eliminating, yeah, like that's- are yeah, because for me, from my like, I'm not a naturopath, so from my understanding, I think okay, the more you poop, the better because you get rid of all that junk. Mm-hmm. However, there could be too
0: much as well. Yeah, for sure. I just think of um, if we're eliminating too much, we're not absorbing our nutrients. Mm. We need our nutrients like cholesterol, all the B vitamins, um, all of those healthy fats as the backbone to our hormones, and then for all of these pathways, like even through the liver. Safe excretion and all of these things and activation. We need these nutrients for our hormones to function properly.
1: That makes sense. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of like like you said. We're always doing that dance, trying to find that balance between like cool. <laughs> let it sit in your system long enough for you to absorb, but also get it out because you don't want to yeah. just sit there lingering. I remember yeah. seeing this is like as an off, uh, offside. I remember seeing things like you know when hydrogen or hydro cleansing or colon cleansing was a thing. Yes. I don't know if it still is, and people would be like, "Oh my god, look at all this poop in my body! Like it's disgusting." <laughs> is it true that like poop just kind of sits in your large intestine? Like, just poop just sit
0: sit down there for a while before it gets out? Like what what's what's the goal? Oh, with- that's a good question. Transit time, we call that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, And there's a way to test this. So basically, transit time is how long it takes for your body to exit. So it should be anywhere from 12 hours to 24 hours as a maximum. So for example. That's fast.
1: Yeah, it's fast. (laughs) You can tell which which side I uh,
0: (laughs) hair on. Um, 12 to 24 hours. A way to treat this is to have beets, our friend's beets. Don't be alarmed if there's bright Oh, like red in your stool yeah. it's the beets um but yeah so have beets safe for dinner time and then so if your dinner oh, time is on 7 p.m and then you see the beets exit at 7 a.m you know your transit time but that's one way to look at it
1: and what and for people who have certain conditions they might have really slow transit
0: time like you were saying with yes. the thyroid the thyroid yeah Yep, thyroid dysbiosis, um, maybe side effects of medications or things in their diet, low fiber, low hydration. And this how about
1: up. movement? I know we don't we don't really talk okay. about this enough. Is does movement also impact that? One hundred percent, getting exercise.
0: Yes, yeah, one hundred percent. If we're sitting, we're stagnant. Um, yeah, we need that blood flow, the muscles moving. If we're sitting. Yeah, we're just not getting that that ease of flow and our pelvic floor is tense, I'm sure. And
1: yeah, pelvic floor just closes up and stays yeah. tight and everything right. just kind of like gets all crunched up and even just getting up and like stretching your legs or getting, you know, we talked about this in the last episode is getting outside, right? Yes. I even just the act of going outside involves usually climbing stairs or walking up and down hills. So all of that helps our our bodies. Um, and our digestion digestion mm-hmm. helps our mood and everything else too. Mm-hmm. What are some What are some simple ways that we can actually support our gut health? We talked a bit about hydration. Mm-hmm. What is the goal with water? Like how much water should we drink? Uh, and how do we know we're well hydrated?
0: Oh, these are good questions. Um, I tell people anywhere like two liters a day has a goal, but just fill up a water bottle. And like I fill up my hydro – flask three to four times a day. And I just try to always have it around me and I'll put electrolyte tabs. I'm really obsessed with Noom tabs right now. This is not a sponsored ad. <laughs> <But it's, laughs> I used are. to I used to drink noon all the time when I was skiing oh, or like hiking. They're so good. They're and so good. Yeah. They are very expensive. It's like $9 for a tab, but I just snap them in half and I put them in my water and it just, it's enjoyable to drink. Um, So, yeah, sipping water throughout the day is better than chugging it all at once. That's better for our kidneys. Our kidneys are our filters. Um, So that's a little bit better. And ways to some things um, to check if you're hydrated. You can take the back of your hand, if you flatten your hand, and you pinch the top of your skin. If it tense and takes a while to go back to normal, that's a quick Little inspection to show that you're dehydrated. It should just pinch and pop back down. If that makes That's, sense,
1: I was going to say I just did it right now. I'm good.
0: I'm drinking yeah. my my
1: smoothie and my water. But it's true because I think a lot of us. I feel like this is what happens to a lot of people that I either work with or know, or or has happened to myself. Is you start the day and. When you don't do these things early enough in the day, it's like the day goes on and you're too tired to then fit it in later. So your right. response is, oh, I'll just chug I'll just chug it before bed. And then that's right. not helpful because then you're waking up to pee or you're just peeing it all out and you're not actually absorbing it. Right. So I like the idea of just, this is what I tell my clients too, is I have a one liter bottle. So I just fill it up at the beginning. Usually, I think I forgot today, but- Mm-hmm. That way, you have your marker, and you're like, okay, I I drain that, and then I fill it up again. That's like at least two liters. Then you get extra through your fruits or everything else. And right. for some people who weigh a lot more, you need more than two liters, right? If you're if you're yeah. a bigger person, if you're exercising, if you're sweating, if you live somewhere really warm, you just
0: mm-hmm. need more. And if you're breastfeeding too. Oh gosh, um, yeah, I'm so thirsty. I th- I like what you said about just creating sy- putting systems in place in your day to make it easy because for sure. Hours will go by. I'm like, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm in a terrible mood. Oh, I'm just really thirsty. Or I'll Mm -hmm. snap a lot before having a glass of water and just realize I was really thirsty. Another tip I like to to tell people is every time you have coffee or black tea, those are diuretics. So they're dehydrating you. So have a big glass of water after that. And that's in addition to your usual water intake.
1: Oh, that's good to know. So, like pretty much everybody I know drinks some something caffeinated. Yeah. Um, I I drink hot chocolate and I actually think that it's it's raw cacao in there, but I for me, I'm so sensitive to it that I actually do think that it impacts my um not hydration as much as my pooping habits. Oh, yeah. Because on days that I don't drink it, I don't poop as regularly. And
0: interesting. Mhm. Yeah, our so body's very habitual too. Right? That's the
1: other thing is if I'm, it's such a habit for me to drink it. So maybe if I'm not drinking, my body's like, "What the heck? I need this." Yeah, but um, it's it's it is habitual. So yeah, wake up in the morning, drink some water. I I've, I see people online drinking like a liter of water in the morning and stuff. I'm like, if that works for you, fantastic. But like, don't put that pressure on yourself. Yeah. Take a few sips if it's nothing that you're doing now. A
0: few sips is better than that. That's what awesome. are other ways that we can support our gut health? um so just remembering that it's dynamic it can change do the best when you can and get back on track after a holiday or something my friend texted me the other day and said I have been having the craziest bloating and weird gut noises every time I eat anything what's going on like well did we not just have Christmas like our whole diet just changed. (laughs) so to be expected things will get back on track um, so there's the four R's when it comes to gut health. There's remove, replace, reinoculate, and repair. I added one called regular elimination. We've kind of already talked about that with the movement hydration. But um, so first of all, remove. So everyone's going to present with their own set of symptoms. Everyone's very individual. So I like to hear everybody's whole symptom picture, the medical history, And figure out what's going on. So whether we're doing some testing or looking at food sensitivities, looking at your digestive function, and then possibly if there's a microbial imbalance, maybe you have a gut infection, maybe there's just low diversity or your microbiome needs some love. So we can test this. As naturopathic doctors, we have access to some great comprehensive tests that we can really dive into what's going on in your microbiome. Um, So we're also removing things that could cause inflammation along the digestive tract. So like I said, 70% of our immune system is along the digestive tract. So Mm -hmm. anything is making that system angry, it's going to cause some inflammation, which just causes permeability along the tract lining. And um, so that can create inflammation elsewhere in the body. So inflammation in the joints feels like pain, you can have headaches, brain fog, it can show up in a lot of different ways. Um, so other things that can cause inflammation is stress, um, alcohol, our diet. So a mm. lot of sugars, um, that blood sugar crash, that can cause inflammation as well. Um, and and as I- cause-
1: When you mentioned alcohol too, I know that over the pandemic, a lot of people have been like stressed. So they're like, I'll just have a beer. I'll have a glass of wine. And that's all fine and, you know, if that suits their lifestyle, but right. it's becoming such a daily thing for people that
0: totally. it, I'm sure affects their gut health. Yeah. And I think it's important to not judge ourselves. We're living through some exactly new experiences, right? So just noticing what p- habits we've picked up and what maybe has changed with our digestion or our hormones or our mood or our sleep. Um, and if it is alcohol, what are some other things that we can do to help your body manage stress? So acupuncture yes. is a really, really nice thing to do. There's a lot of herbs. They're called adaptogens that help our body adapt to stress. And a lot of them are anti-inflammatory. And there's a lot of herbs, too, that really help the gut, too, that it can speak to. Amazing. Um, but, yeah. So that's what we're doing. So we're removing first any microbial imbalances or things that is causing damage. Um, and then next, we're replacing. So this is where I coach people to support their normal digestive function. Um, so first, digestive enzymes. So a lot of people ask me, if I, should I take digestive enzymes? Um, how about we support your body to produce them on their own first? See if that works. So some easy tips for that is cooking, spending time with your food. So just the smell and sight of food can trigger that digestive process triggers the release of digestive enzymes which is pretty cool
1: um, that's pretty cool so like things good. like onions garlic spices like things that kind of release those nice smells wow. actually help with digestion
0: so mouth watering literally that's yours yeah,
1: yeah my, my mouth is watering now thinking of foods today's pungal pungal is like the um it's a uh, south indian tamil holiday and it's kind of like Thanksgiving, kind of. It's like a harvest holiday. And so my mom is making like this big pungle dinner. And like, so I've been thinking about it all day and like my mouth is watering. So that actually helps with my digestion, it sounds like.
0: Just envision your dinner and it's going to be so good. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just work. like, oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it totally does. Um, another thing we need to do, because we talked about that fight or flight connection with mm. – um, not favoring our digestion so trying when we can to eat calmly i know that is not always it's not always doable um especially with little kiddos running around or timelines but sometimes it is doable so if we can block out even 20 minutes for a lunch break turn off our screens just sit with our food um it can really help the digestive tract so another thing to support normal digestion is bitters So bitters before your meal also stimulates this um, release of digestive enzymes, gets the digestive tract moving. Um, So bitter things are bitter, like bitter greens, so like arugula, dark leafy greens, dandelion greens. Or I make patients tinctures. So a tincture is just a herb extracted in alcohol to make it stronger. And this is—it's just in a little dropper, so it's really easy to drop this into some water and just sip this before. Then, of course, some people don't drink alcohol or don't tolerate alcohol, and for kids, this is inappropriate. So we can also do teas like chamomile, peppermint, ginger, gentian. So those are just some some bitter- before the meal. Before the meal, yeah. And with herbs or anything I talk about, it is always good to talk to your naturopathic doctor, especially before giving things to a child or if you have allergies or sometimes um, conditions like reflux, people Mm. don't tolerate bitters. It can make things worse. So whenever you're Mm. introducing herbs or supplements, even from a health food store, I would, it's, it's safest to speak with a naturopathic doctor first or someone knowledgeable at the store. Make sure it's safe for you.
1: That sounds, that sounds great. And I love those natural, tr- like things that people can try at home, like ginger tea or something like that before, before their meal. Mm-hmm. sounds delicious, especially in the winter.
0: Mm-hmm. So we,
1: you said remove, what was the second thing? So
0: remove, replace, replace, replace some things to support our normal digestion. The next is re-inoculate. So this is when we're talking about the microbiome. So people always ask if they need probiotics. Totally yes. depends. It depends on your case. Um, It depends what your symptoms are, if it's appropriate for you, what probiotic, how many probiotics, Um, and yeah, so it always depends. But we can support our microbiome with fiber. So fiber is indigestible carbohydrates that we don't digest as humans. Instead, they're fuel for the healthy species of the microbes to help them thrive and help them support our digestion, our immune, our mood, and our blood sugar regulation. So like sweet potatoes and i don't know name some fibrous things chia seeds yeah. lentils nuts um, too right yeah nuts. Nuts.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah i feel like because i'm vegetarian like everything i eat is fibrous like all my like yes. lentils chickpeas like veggies mm-hmm. it's it's the green leafy that i've started adding into my breakfast that i find is a big difference like I just add frozen mm. kale with some garlic and I have that with my morning and it makes a big difference because usually our breakfast don't have any like people who are eating just toast right like it's maybe right. not fibrous enough so that adds that so remove mm. replace re-inoculate. and then what
0: was the last the hour? final one is repair. So mm. going back to what the root cause was so if there was an infection, food sensitivity food sensitivities, autoimmune, things that can cause this inflammatory process. I work with people to help heal their gut lining. Um, And yeah, some examples here are L-glutamine, zinc, slippery elm is a herb. So these are all things that are really nourishing and soothing and um, helps to repair the gut lining.
1: And what – you mentioned probiotics and not everybody needs it. It sounds like everyone needs fiber, so that's a good thing to eat, but probiotics is not necessarily for everyone. And is Mm -hmm. it something that people take in a short term if they're taking it or is it something that they take
0: forever? That's a really good question. Um, Yeah, it can be short term. I like to start – especially if we're treating – for example, I talked about SIBO. It's kind of worked into the protocol. And um, or if people have been on antibiotics, they should definitely be replacing their the healthy species of the microbiome. Um, I think it's always good to take breaks, like work with your naturopathic doctor to get started on a protocol, see what an appropriate timeline is, and then see if your body is like repairing itself and getting back on track. And if you can, if you've restored this microbiome, can you just eat lots of healthy fiber and other sources like kimchi is a really good sauerkraut these are really good um, sources of healthy bugs too and so we can incorporate these things into our diet so we don't always have to be taking a supplement I think that's it's it's just yeah a better way to go
1: that's like I, I love that message thank you because I think a lot of people want to know that is like do I take this forever and I'm like speak to your naturopath, obviously, first, Mm -hmm. but know that it doesn't have to be like a forever thing uh, and that there's more natural ways to support it in the long term. Mm -hmm. And I have a question about when do people know to see a naturopath versus a medical doctor?
0: Um, Yeah, I think this is a big one because i said this in our last chat. I think medical doctors are – they totally have a place in our healthcare system, and I think it's really important if you have a medical doctor to to continue seeing them. They have access to referrals for specialists, and um, I think medical doctors and naturopathic doctors can work really well for your healthcare team, but um, naturopathic doctors, we just have more time to spend with you to kind of link up all of these symptoms that can feel quite random for people and find a root cause. and point to what diagnostic testing we need to be doing. And then we have the time and training to talk about your diet, to talk about your stress levels, to maybe incorporate some acupuncture or some ways that we can support you as a whole. We just have the time to do that and and dive in.
1: And I feel like the training around diet too is like you understand nutrition. Um, versus I know, like I I talked to my medical doctor about something and she's like, well, you know, we don't, (laughs) I can't give specific advice beyond this because we don't, we don't study that. And I'm like, that's fair. And so understanding that if you're going to your medical doctor for detailed nutrition support, you may not get that unless they have a specific designation. So seeing a naturopathic Mm -hmm. doctor, um, and also just understanding that they both can be part of your team. Um, and they both have different, different things, different ways that they can support you.
0: Yeah. A lot of my patients have come to see me after working with their medical doctor for a long time. They've ruled out a lot of things, but they're just still still experiencing some symptoms, while whether it's all the symptoms or maybe just a couple left. So we can just really dive in and pick up and yeah, get to the root cause.
1: Awesome. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, do you have any other final thoughts on gut health that you'd like to share with us? We covered so many different things from microbiome to dysbiosis to how do you find those, what are regular happy poops and um, examples of how hormones impact our gut health and how they're impacted by our gut health and some ways that we can naturally support our gut health at home. So,
0: yeah, covered I covered a lot. We covered a lot. And I think a, a good message is just to continue to be curious about your body. If you're having symptoms or you don't know what's going on, just be in tune. Ask what's going on. Track your symptoms. Track your hormones with an app. Track your digestion. Um, ask your doctor's questions. And be comfy with talking about poop because it can give <laughs> us a lot of information. <laughs>
1: It's true. Your poop is your – it's like your fifth vital sign I've heard is your period. And it's like your poop would be like your sixth. So I love the idea of tracking. Instead of just stressing about it, just do, just take action. Start tracking. You know, that's a simple thing you can do at home. You don't need anything fancy. Pen and paper works too. And yeah, thank you so much for educating us on all those ways. And also cueing in on how the gut – is impacted by so many different things and also how it impacts our immune system, our mental health, our mood, um, and our hormonal health. Mood is a huge thing. And I think a lot of people get support. Maybe they're seeing a therapist, which is fantastic. Maybe they're on medication if that, you know, and that supports them. Great. But also if gut health is missed, that's a huge element that could be really supportive in your mental health. So what are ways that people can uh, connect with you, Whitney?
0: Um, I think the best way is my Instagram. I, at Dr. Whitney Baxter, I'm on there a lot through my stories and I love answering people's questions. I can't give direct medical advice if I don't see you as a patient, but
1: of yeah, course. I love sharing
0: yeah. education.
1: And mm-hmm. she has so much wisdom on her page. So I encourage you to check her out and I will be sharing the links with, with everyone as well. And I wanted to thank you so much for spending your time with us today. We have two fantastic topics that you've shared with us, and I know that um, our listeners will really, really benefit from that. So I want to thank you so much, Whitney. And if you're listening to this episode and you find it helpful, please share it with a friend and let us know. Connect with us on social media and let us know. Tag us and let us know um, if you have any questions. And uh, I'm sure Whitney would be happy to support you and finding support. Thank
0: you so much for having me. This was, so, this was awesome.
1: Thank you for tuning into this episode of Mom Strength and being part of this important conversation. Check out the show notes for more info and links, and we'll chat again